0: I'm Scott Abraham from ABC7 in Washington, D.C. You know who it is, Travis Thomas Experience. This is Eric at home of Yahoo Sports. This is Mitch Tischler. This is Al Galdi, and you're listening to The Big Douglas Show. Writer
1: at Pro Football Network and fan-sided, Ian Cummings joins us for Victory Monday. Ian, how are
0: you? I'm doing great, Douglas. How are you?
1: Oh, I'm doing good. Uh, always great to be talking about victories on a Monday.
0: Yeah, that is very certain. You know, I've I've been, I think it's been since twenty seventeen that I've been writing for FanSided about Washington, and then I I picked I picked up that same role at Pro Football Network earlier this year, and every it seems like almost every week, man, it's just like doom and gloom, like oh yeah, they're they they're doomed. That's just how it is. But then this, and it looked like it was gonna be that way this year. You know, down seventeen nothing early on, and then. We saw something we've never seen before, which was they actually rebounded, they adjusted at halftime and really surprised a lot of people. So I, I'm very happy to be writing about a win. I can't I can't tell you how happy I am. You know, you try to stay impartial as a writer, but um, it, it, it does kind of improve the psyche when you can write about a team that's not completely terrible. So it, it was it was good to see.
1: I want to get on to the game, of course, but you recently wrote an article about Haskins and the national media. What is it that the national media doesn't see that I think maybe locally we see a little more of?
0: Yeah so um, I think delving a little bit into what I wrote about in the article. A lot of people nationally when you think of Haskins you know last year when he got exposed big time that first game against the Giants where he threw I think two interceptions no touchdowns and then he threw another one in spot duty the next game and then you know, just that ugly start, you know, and not a lot of people saw his growth off the field and then the viral video against the Jets where he's kind of asking his lineman, what can I do to help you? Uh, you know, locally that might, you might see a, a kid who's passionate, who's trying to learn the game. But then if you're a fan of another team, just kind of tuning in, you see this guy as you know, kind of a victim of the dis- dysfunction around him. And I think a lot of people kind of just assumed he was going to come in and kind of underwhelm in his second season. and not a lot of people saw the development that he also underwent in the offseason. Ron Rivera challenging him and him actually responding to those challenges, losing weight, a ton of weight for the offseason, uh, working on chemistry with his receivers and then kind of getting the playbook down with Scott Turner. He put in a lot of work in the offseason and that work goes unnoticed. Um, and I don't think he's a finished product. I, I, I think we could have seen a lot better from him yesterday, especially early on. But you can tell he's put in the work and, and he seems poised to improve this year. Uh, but nationally, you don't really see that work behind the scenes. And you kind of just assume that it's he's going to keep underwhelming because that's what he did early on last year. And that's kind of where he made his strongest national impression. But behind closed doors, you can tell that things are improving.
1: Uh, for sure. And, and it started out that way yesterday, right? Because it seemed like, oh, no, here we go again. He was not sharp early. Uh But I'm curious, do you think that was the play? Scott Turner didn't do him any favors early in that game either, did he? The play calling was a little wonky.
0: Yeah, you know, I thought it was a little bit of both. I thought Turner's game script could have been better. Game script, I thought, first off, I thought they were running on some unsatisfactory situations. Like, if you don't get a huge gain on first down, it's second and long, kind of. You don't really want to run, especially when your line hasn't really proven itself to be able to clear those lanes for your running back. Because then you put your quarterback in an even tougher position on third down. We saw that a lot with Jay Gruden. And I thought early on Scott Turner was trying to play a little too safe with his quarterback and do that. But then also, when they did give Haskins chances, he seemed really out of sync to me. A lot of the issues that we saw fundamentally with him last year, you know, like his footwork not really aligning with his upper body motions. Like you want to have your foot, you want to have your feet shoulder width apart, you know, kind of squared up so that you can get that torque as you rotate your body through the throw. And. We saw a lot of that where he wasn't doing, he wasn't doing step A with step B and that, you know, that caused him to overthrow some guys and underthrow some guys and that leads to inaccuracy. So I thought Haskins himself could have done a better job. Also, like you said, Scott Turner um, was trying to find his footing, I feel like early on too. And that, that um, resulted in some mistakes and obviously a lot of anemic offense for the team. Uh, And I think that's something that's not gonna go away immediately, like they got better in the second half. I think we'll see more of that next week and maybe even into the weeks going on beyond that. But I think it's something that should gradually improve as the offense starts to find their identity um, as the year goes on. But definitely uh, right off the bat, I thought Turner could have done better. Haskins definitely needed to kind of hone in and refine his game a little bit more. And that's that's just part of the deal.
1: Yeah, it'd be interesting to know whether, who said what to who at halftime? Because the offense in the second half was a whole lot uh, closer to the offense they kept telling us we were going to be running uh, during the offseason. I was surprised that very first offensive play of the game, they had uh, they had Jerron Christian lined up inside next to Moses on the right side. Uh, that play actually works if Jerron makes the block there. He missed and the play didn't go for very much. Uh, but I was surprised. They did have the two backs in the backfield. But they did a whole lot more running on early downs than I think maybe we expected.
0: Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. Because I think one of the big themes over the course of the offseason was Scott Turner's going to kind of bring a fresh mindset, kind of a more modernized offensive scheme. And what do you think of when you hear that? You know, you think of passing more often, kind of using the variability of your game. And I thought there were times where they just kind of reverted to, you know, going through the motions like, hey, we'll just run it to try and get a decent game so we can put ourselves in a better position. That's great. But problem is if that doesn't work out you're more conservative so that you don't get as much out of that play and maybe the defense stops you in the backfield and you're stuck where you were the the previous play so it's 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 tough for sure and i, I do i do like what i saw with them kind of experimenting with uh, with guys like jd mckissick and antonio gibson like you said in those two running back looks um and i think that's something we're going to see but It's just kind of it comes with the territory when you have players who they fulfill a multitude of roles. There's going to be some confusion occasionally, not a lot of cohesion at first. uh, But but the hope is that that'll kind of come into focus as the season goes on.
1: Yeah, we don't want to slam them because they uh, it is a victory Monday. Yeah, 27 unanswered points is the most I think they said in the last 15 years for Washington. It didn't look good early. What do you think they were talking about there at halftime?
0: Uh, I think, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I, I, I'm sure you've seen the articles about about what happened at halftime because it, it kind of does draw the attention. It's like because all of a sudden they just kind of came out of the gates and they were, uh, you know, all cylinders go. So I, I'm not really sure. I heard that Ron Rivera had to take an IV or something, so he wasn't there, but Dwayne Haskins gave a speech or something. And what Haskins said, I think, in his interview was that, you know, last year, washington was up 17 0 halftime and what happened then i mean we know what happened the eagles came back and just demolished them in the second half so i think what you want to do in halftime right then i mean you're down 17 7 you you were kind of getting dominated for most of the half there was that little momentum swing um but then you got that touchdown at the end. So what you want to reemphasize to your guys, and I think that's what Haskins did really well and kind of where his mental value comes in as a leader, something that we've heard he's grown on. And going back to the very first question, that's another thing that not a lot of people have seen is that he has grown as a leader, too, and that'll help him as overall as a quarterback. But I think in the locker room, he kind of reemphasized to the guys like, hey, comebacks like these have happened and we can make it happen today. You know, we have the talent, we have the ability. And we can take the Eagles by surprise by coming out in the second half and just refining our game. And I really think that I think they had the ability the entire time, but sometimes you need to kind of refocus mentally. And that can be a lot easier said than done. You know, having played sports myself, not not football, but, you know, tennis, it all translates that way mentally. Like if you're not if you're not locked in mentally and if you're kind of distracted by underperformance, that can be a positive feedback loop that can kind of just get you into deeper holes. So I think really recalibrating is what they needed to do. And and I think that Haskins did that with his speech in the, in the in the locker room.
1: I was stunned that the report from halftime by Pam Oliver had uh Doug Peterson saying they didn't need to make any adjustments that they were doing great. I understand you're up seventeen, but to say that out loud I thought was stunning.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's that's interesting, man. Cause I mean if you're an NFL coach, right, you gotta Understand that hey something's gonna change because you know they're gonna change something coming out seventeen seven, so you know that maybe you have to change something up too to keep them on their toes because if you just do the same thing, then uh, that can be something that can kind of get you into a little pitfall. So I was I was surprised to hear that too, and I've always Peterson's always struck me as a, as one of those modern flexible coaches who's always kind of changing things up to keep the opponent you know guessing, and that might have been a case where you know Washington's reputation preceded them the eagles come to this game thinking they can win it and you know the first half confirmed what they were thinking hey we are the better team we are the more established team so coming out into that second half you're thinking all right we can just roll through this uh uh-uh. uh Washington's saying no and i don't think that's something that's going to happen down the road because now washington with this win you know they've been, they've announced to the nfl hey we're not the doormat that we that you thought we were going to be You know, we've got to win against the defending NFC's champions, and we're not going to go away without a fight. And I think that was big for the team. But for the Eagles, like you said, I mean, we go back to we're we're so excited about what Washington did to win this game, and with good reason. I mean, the defensive line was ferocious. You know, the offense did what they needed to do to convert when they had the opportunities, which the defense provided them. But the Eagles beat themselves just as much as Washington beat the Eagles today. And, And in the weeks that come, I don't think Washington gets that opportunity as often, you know, that might not always happen. There might be times where the other team is playing lights out. And if you're Washington, you can't, you can't skip a beat because the next thing you know, you might be down by 17 again. So it's one of those things, but yeah, it was, it was really surprising to me to hear Doug Peterson say that. And that's one of those things, maybe it's early on, you don't, you're finding yourself, but also finding and gauging your opponents. And that can, you know, that can cause confusion and, and create opportunities for your, for the other team. So.
1: The Eagles were up 17 points, and they ran the ball five times after that. Stunning.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was interesting. I'm not sure how much missing Miles Sanders had to do with that, you know, because Boston Scott, uh, he's a very dynamic player. Uh, He's a little smaller though, not not quite as attuned for that for that role where you can just keep churning out carries. And you know, credit Washington. I don't think they let a ton of big runs go. Um, The defensive line did a great job holding holding up their position on the line. And I thought the linebackers did a decent job of filling those holes in the run in run defense, too. You know, the linebackers kind of had an up and down performance, uh, but but I thought they made some really nice, crucial plays. Um, And then also, you know, I think the Eagles, first off, they were trying to run it. What weren't really it wasn't really happening, but they had kind of a buffer, you know, because they came out of the half 10 points up. But then when they see Washington start to take back the momentum, they started trying to throw a lot. And that was when the pressure started getting to Wentz even more in the, in the defensive secondary. You know, in the first half, we saw Apke and uh, Kevin Pierre-Lewis kind of let let go of that Goddard touchdown. And then there were some other breaks in the coverage down, downfield, the 55-yard completion to Jalen Rieger. Credit to them. They really sealed stuff up in that second half. And they really... Made sure that they were putting the clamps on and, and there were some completions still, but a lot more consistency from that secondary and they made life hard for Carson Wentz made him have to double think, uh, you know, double check his, his decisions and his progressions. And if that allowed the pressure more time to get to him when they needed more time and, uh, and that kind of led to a very complete defensive second half performance. And as you saw, Philadelphia didn't score. So that's what happens when your pass rush and your secondary can work in tandem with one another, with one another like that. I can't talk; it's early, but uh, that's what can happen, and that was exciting to see. They, they got to put it on the field in the weeks to come, but uh, it, it's definitely a positive sign for the future. I think
1: it was interesting. One of the halftime adjustments that I noticed uh, was Kevin Pierre Lewis out on big dime situations and the rookie Cameron curl in, he made a lot of nice plays in that game yesterday.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There was a screen. I remember uh, to the right side where Cameron curl just came in, man. And he really laid the wood on the guy uh, squared up with the tackle right on, right on center and got him down. I think he had two stuffs, two tackles for loss, which was really good uh, for that rookie. Cause I'll tell you, I, I, that, I don't want to say it's a miss yet, because remember, it's only one game. Uh, we still have to see him put that on the field consistently for for, 50, for 15 more games. But uh, Cameron Curl, when I watched this tape uh, coming out of the draft, I was not impressed. You know, you see his, his uh, combine measurements, uh, maybe pro Day or something, I can't remember, but 4'6", 40, uh 35-inch vertical, uh, 34.5, I think. Either way, it was kind of middling, you know, not great speed decent explosiveness numbers but watching him on tape he he definitely could tell that he was missing that speed element Uh, but you knew that maybe you know there have been guys in the nfl who succeeded not necessarily having top end speed but kind of compensating with instincts and quick processing abilities so they can get themselves in the right position where they're not kind of clawing back from behind and we saw that i think from cameron curl he was playing fast he was playing confident and he definitely showed that he might be able to provide an impact not just as a, as a core special teamer but as a rotational defender on defense with the size and with that instinct and, and explosive ability in the short range uh, to to make those plays. So I was I was impressed with him. Um, I thought he did well. I've gotten some messages today maybe he's gunning for Troyaki's job. I'm not I'm not saying that right now, uh, but I think It's a good thing, regardless, because if you're Ron Rivera, you have a a few safeties back there who have the physical capabilities to to make the plays necessary. They're both young, uh, Apgi and Curl, and uh, they they can they can fulfill some niche roles. You know, like if if you if you're suspecting one of those short plays like a screen or maybe a run, put Curl in there, have him kind of roam around the box. Uh, and then App, he obviously I think once he shores up his position and he can be better in coverage. So we'll, we'll see. But I think it's it's a good thing uh, if you're looking at this team, looking to further develop them, that, that the guys are making plays like that early.
1: When I talked to former Washington linebacker Robert Henson earlier in the summer, he was telling me that Bostic may be the best linebacker we have and is criminally underrated. He was excellent yesterday.
0: Yeah, he really was. I, I got to give him more credit, man, because he was um he's making plays. I thought he was the most consistent linebacker out there. I wouldn't be super confident having him in coverage all the time, but in terms of against the run, you know, being around the football in the backfield in the box, he was great. And on that um that fourth down stop, I think I think that uh, that's a play by Bostic that'll resonate with everyone, uh, where both he and Pierre Lewis came downfield really quickly. Uh, they just brought the heat on that fourth down, and Bostic. Found the lane, just steered right through it and got Wentz for the sack. That's a game changing play. If that doesn't happen, if they get that conversion, then maybe the comeback doesn't happen in full. So I, I really liked what I saw from Basek playing fast. And we've heard Rivera talk about him over the course of the offseason that he's a leader, uh, that he's mentally, you know, he brings the group together, he helps bring them together, and he's very mentally sound. And I think we're starting to see that now. I'm excited to see where he goes because. He's kind of been a journeyman throughout his career, you know, starting with the Colts and the the Bears and stuff like that. Um, so I think he hasn't really found a role where he can kind of come back year to year and have some security. But it looks like here he's starting to earn more reps and I'm excited to see where he goes. And just the linebacker group in general, actually, they're, you can tell they're all physically capable. It's just a matter of who's going to take advantage of those opportunities. And, you know, credit to Robert Henson. You know, he, he's calling it right. He called it. I think Bostic is separating himself early.
1: In fairness, he also thought Holcomb would be starting, and it's on Hamilton. Holcomb didn't play except on special teams uh, on Sunday, which is kind of interesting because I believe he led the team in tackles last year.
0: Yeah, yeah, I was, I was kind of, I was wondering about that too. I, I did see he suffered an injury at some point in the game, missed a few snaps, so I think that might have had something to do with it, but. It is interesting, and it just kind of speaks to the issue that Rivera does have with all these linebackers who, you know, have the physical capabilities to play those roles, you know, just need more mental refinement. You know, having Bostic and Pierre Lewis and Sean Deon Hamilton and and Cole Holcomb, you know, you have at most three of those guys on the field at once, and if you're a nickel, you know, only two because you got that slot guy in there. So there are going to be uh, times where not you don't not everyone you want on the field is going to be on, and I, I would have Holcomb on there more often. I was a little surprised because, going back to his pro day numbers, he put up some elite athletic measurements, and he's the youngest guy out there, so maybe get him more development. But some
1: um, yeah, the, have, the coaching staff loves Kev, Kevin Pierre Lewis because I'm with you. I I fully had expected that we'd see Sean Dion Hamilton, Holcomb, and Bostick out on the field. Yeah, uh, the staff loves. Pierre Lewis.
0: Yeah, they really do. I was surprised. And, you know, credit Lewis, too. He's also an elite athlete. Like, you look up these guys' numbers, they all have 90th percentile and up in terms of 40-yard dash and vertical jump and broad jump and stuff like that. They're all really, really physically capable in that sense. It's
1: it's the interesting thing about the Cameron Curl pick. To your point earlier, uh, Washington has made it a priority to take high-spark players and he certainly is not one, so that, that's interesting. It'll be yeah. interesting also to see what happens with the secondary when Fuller comes back next week. Uh, I had always envisioned a secondary that had Fuller and Moreau outside with Fuller kicking inside on nickel sets and Darby playing the other side. They are telling us that Moreland is the man. And I guess it will be him that stays outside when Fuller
0: comes back. Yeah, dude, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy about that. I was very happy when they selected Moreland. Uh, well, I guess it's kind of bittersweet, you know. I was, I was happy when they selected Moreland in the, in the later rounds last year. He's a ball hawk for sure, and he showed that yesterday. Um, I, I think it's a good thing, actually, because looking at the corner position coming into the season, it was a position that we thought lacked depth, but I think this gives it depth. This emergence of Moreland, if he can keep it going, because you look at you look at Moreau, uh, he he's a boundary guy who can also go into the slot. He has experience there. He's better on the boundary though. You have Moreland, a guy who can play the boundary and the slot. You have Fuller, a guy who can play in the slot on the boundary and as a free safety. You know, if you want to rotate him back there, just a lot of versatility. And also, if you want to move guys around before the snap and as the play develops. You know that can happen too, and I think it can give them a lot of flexibility having guys who can fulfill different roles. So I'm I'm excited to see how they, how they go about tackling that. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's necessarily a problem. It's it's more of a, you know, something you have to figure out is how you're going to use these guys. It's not it's not an issue though. I think it's more of a of the strength of this unit that we were starting to figure out is that all these guys are taking advantage of this opportunity and and they have the ability to, you know perform wherever needed. And I think Ken, having Kendall Fuller in there, a guy a kind of a wild card who can play all three of those roles is really valuable.
1: The defensive line was as advertised.
0: Yeah. Very happy about that. Very happy about that. I mean, Montez Sweat, Chase Young, Deron Payne, Matt Ioannidis, Jonathan Allen, and then Ryan Kerrigan. I mean, how about him? I, I, I thought it was going to take him a few games to, to break that record, you know, because he's rotational. He only played 22 snaps yesterday and he had two sacks. So that's right. That that tells you all you need to know. I mean, very, it's it's awesome to see them and also awesome with the 4 3 defensive scheme change. It's, you know, I don't think it it changed as much as people were, were saying because they were already out of base formation a lot when they were running the 3 4 scheme. But with the 4 3, every down, you've got Montez Sweat, Chase Young, Ryan Kerrigan in that three point stance just rushing every time and and that's dangerous man because they got so much burst so much flexibility and you know we saw that that play with young kind of beating the chop walk and then on the ground grabbing Once's leg and once tries to break free and young just kind of explodes and, and forces the fumble i mean off the ground i mean that's just these guys are so talented and they're working in tandem with one another and they're playing off of each other's strengths and You know, I I don't expect eight sacks every game. (laughs) That would be nice. I don't expect it, but um, Mm. I think they'll keep generating pressure. uh, And I think that it's going to be a good thing uh, because we saw in that second half when they're generating pressure, like we we had a lot of questions about the linebacker group and the secondary. But a lot of those questions are mitigated if you have strong pressure up front, because that can really help out the back end. So I was really excited to see that the foundation of the defense Playing up to their reputation because that's what you need if you if you're going to succeed. You you need to have those guys up front making plays, and they definitely did that.
1: It hard it'd be hard to imagine that Chase Young could live up to the expectations that have been put on him. Yeah, he gave his best shot yesterday, though.
0: Yep, one and a half stacks forced fumble. I mean, man, he and he. I didn't. I would have liked to see more like just all out of explosive plays from him. I thought. I thought um, it was often the secondary and the pass rush working together, the secondary working to make sure that Wentz hold the ball longer and then the, the pass rush uh, just getting in there. You know, A lot of their sacks actually developed like over like four to five seconds as opposed to you know, two to three seconds. So it wasn't always that quick pressure, but just that relentless, that persistence that, that, that kind of made it work. And that's something that Young was also known for in college on top of his athleticism and his ability to get in the backfield quickly. If he doesn't, like if he gets caught with a double team or something, uh, he can fight through that. And he, and if the quarterback still has the ball, that's a bad thing for the quarterback. Cause guess what? Chase Young is still coming for you. He doesn't give up after the first go. And I, I really liked seeing that kind of in person on the field from him multiple times yesterday. It was always around the ball there. And um, I think you can only expect him to keep providing that impact. And, It's not always going to be this perfect. Uh, The Eagles were definitely shorthanded. They were missing Lane Johnson. They lost Andre Dillard and Brandon Brooks before the start of the season. So they were shorthanded. And I think that there will be some offensive lines that get their number. Uh, But uh, as long as they have the advantage there, I think they can always give this defense a chance. And that's that's a valuable thing.
1: You made a great point there, too, because there were – a number of those sacks that came after the five or six second mark and in years past that would have been doom for the defense the secondary really did play quite well yesterday
0: yeah for sure and that goes back to you know not just having the athleticism to stay with your guy but also mentally being able to do it and I think that's just a testament an early testament to what the coaching coaching changes have done you know because maybe Maybe Jimmy Moreland wouldn't be able to stay on his guy all the time there. Maybe Fabian Moreau wouldn't be able to do that. So it's just a testament to what these guys have done. And and Ronald Darby, too, you know, he got he kind of got lit up because he uh, he gave up some completions early on. But uh, he he also has that athleticism. And later on, he was putting the clamps down. He had a pass deflection. So these guys have the athleticism to be superior to their corresponding targets. And uh, you put them in the right position. Uh, you give that pressure, I think it's definitely something that can lead to a complete defense later on. So I'm, 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 I am steeped in anticipation, let me tell you, because I don't expect it to be perfect every time, but I'm really excited to see how they keep progressing because this is a really positive start that I don't think a lot of people expected.
1: The team won, so we won't crush them. But the coach kept preaching competition. Are you surprised they didn't bring anybody in to compete alongside Hopkins?
0: Yeah, you know, I'm not sure. I think because I think competition works for most scenarios. But if it's a kicker, if he's been doing well for a long time, you know, just just kind of let it go. Um, I think that first miss was pretty ugly. He rebounded and got back. I, I wasn't super surprised. I think. They did what they needed to do, which was get that one guy in the practice squad, Brett Maher, uh, and then uh, just protect him just in case Hopkins either underperforms or gets caught with some health issues. I didn't I didn't think they had to go all out there because Hopkins has been, I think, in the top half of the league's kickers for a couple of years now. He, he was a little shaky a, uh, a few years ago, but he's kind of solidified himself as one of the better kickers in the league. And that miss was rough, but uh, he, he rebounded. It's something to always keep tabs on, you know, because kicking situations can can, can change in, a, in an instant. We've seen some teams kind of just cut ties with their kicker of three to four plus years just because they missed like two extra points in a week. So it's definitely something to watch, but I, I think they did what they needed to do there and nothing more was really required.
1: Ian, if you're handing out game balls, we'll give one for offense and one for defense. Who, who's getting them this week?
0: Oof, I'll go with defense first because I think that's easier. Well, okay, maybe it's not easier because there's like so many guys you can give the ball to. Uh, I'm gonna go with shoot. I'm gonna go with Chase Young. I think because I think the pressure he provided was very consistent, uh, and he he made that impact that we expected him to. It, uh, he he was explosive off the edge, you know. He was relentless and persistent, and making sure that uh, he he was always pressing Wentz and making his presence known and making that quarterback uncomfortable and you know there's a lot of people saying like what if young doesn't take advantage of this offensive line well he did and i really think that you know you have a lot of guys that can create pressure ryan kerrigan uh, matt i montez sweat deron Payne, jonathan allen but i think chase young was the piece that brought the unit together and the the piece that really catalyzed this performance and i think that moving forward you know, as long as he's there, there there's going to be an impact made. So I was really excited to see that. On the offensive side of the ball, I'm just going to go through it. I'm sifting through the position groups in my mind because offensive line, I don't think I can give anyone the game ball there. Uh, the left side was a little rough. Uh, Morgan Moses had some good plays. I don't think I'm giving him the game ball, though. Uh,
1: he doesn't deserve the game ball, but that might have been one of his best games we've seen in a long time. Yeah,
0: for sure. yeah. You know, a lot of people like to kind of – uh, dog on him in the offseason, but he played he played well. Uh, he played well and, and he showed that he can be a solid starter as long as he has a good foundation. So I thought, yeah, good game from him um, moving to the receiving core again. Not a lot of standouts there. Terry McLaurin did pretty well. I think he had a drop, though. He had five receptions for 63 yards or something. Steven Sims, three for 50 uh, running back room. Nothing really to write home about. Peyton Barber, though, he did convert on the goal line, uh, getting those touchdowns. Uh, and then Logan Thomas had the touchdown. It's, it's between Thomas and Haskins for me, and, and, which is weird because I wrote about Haskins in, in my Studs and Duds piece. I actually made him a dud because, you know, we were really expecting him to hit the ground running based on his preparation this offseason. And he didn't, you know, but, but that's fine. You can expect that to happen. You can, you can say that he underwhelmed and that's okay. But I think Haskins rebounded when he needed to. Uh, in that second half, he went 10 for 15, didn't make any turnovers. That was big, uh, especially with the Eagles coughing up the ball a lot. You don't want to just send it right back to him. Haskins was very good about that. And the incompletions that he did have, he wasn't just throwing the ball up into um into triple coverage. You know, He was making good decisions for the most part, I thought. And um, that kind of, you know, they didn't always convert. There were some drops, there were some overthrows, but he never put the ball in danger. And that was big, especially in this game when the momentum was so fragile. Like the Eagles had it and then Washington had it, but um, all it took was one more play to give the Eagles that, that in. And uh, Haskins, Haskins could have been a lot better in that first half, I'll grant you that, uh, but he never gave them that play. And I think that was big enough for him to get a game ball today, especially with him on also halftime kind of leading the team mentally into that, yeah. into that rise. So I, I, I wanna see better play from him individually but the impact he had on the team mentally and just kind of mitigating the risks and the mistakes wasn't enough for me to, to get him the game ball. But, but um, I want to put the disclaimer out there that the entire offense, I think can, can be better next time around.
1: Yeah. I'd personally give mine to Barber just for the two touchdowns, but i got to say this seven is a gamer, you know, I mean, things were not looking good for him. And he showed us that last year too, in the Detroit game. Yeah, when the time comes, he seems to have his best stuff. So uh, he was great in the second half. And and to your point, the fact that he doesn't turn the ball over, you know, is huge. Yeah, is huge. Yeah, Uh,
0: You know, a lot of young quarterbacks might, you know, if you go three for 12 early on and you're missing everything, you know, a lot of young quarterbacks might go into their shell and just kind of, you know, go deeper into that hole. But Haskins, no, he didn't. He he stayed tough, came back out and put – put enough good football on that, on that field for them to win. Now he's not going to have every week. He's not going to have these opportunities. I wrote about this in my studs and does piece this morning, but, um, he's not always going to have the defense generating eight sacks and three turnovers. You know, it's not always going to be that easy and he's going to have to do stuff on his own and lead the team to win on his own shoulders potentially. So there does have to be more from him, but um, the fact that he showed that resilience in the face of adversity and just kept just kept pushing is a big positive uh, for him and for the for the team as a whole. They're definitely in the right hands, I think. Just got to see it through a little bit more.
1: Well, Ian, one week in the books, it was a W, and it was great. Tell the folks where they can find you and uh, what you got coming up.
0: Yeah, so you can find me at Ian underscore Cummings underscore nine on Twitter. The underscores are important. I wanted to just do Ian Cummings nine straight up, but that was taken. So I had to resort to my alternative. Um, yeah. At Rigo's Raga and pro football network, I'm covering Washington stuff. I always, co- I also cover NFL draft stuff on Wednesdays each week. So, and I got a mock draft coming up this weekend, actually. So uh, at pro football network. So if you want to look at who I've got Washington picking, I think it's a three rounder and they have four picks in the first three rounds. So you want to see, how they can keep growing and building on this foundation? Give that a look. I've also got Washington pieces running all week at Riggs Rag. Uh, me, my co-editor Jacob Kaminker, and a lot of talented writers below us, uh, always turning out content. We'll have players to watch for the next game, uh, bold predictions for the next game, and we're always turning out analysis. So keep tabs on that. I know it's a lot. <laughs> Believe me, I know it's a lot, uh, but uh, it's uh, it's it's that time of year. You know, football's back. Got a relish in it.
1: That's right. Ian does great work. I've been following you for years, buddy. You do really nice stuff. Ian Cummings, everybody. Thank you.